Life Podcast with host Andy Vasily. Hello, everyone, and a very big thank you to you for tuning into my Run Your Life podcast series. I know it's been a while since my last episode, and this is because my family and I had the wonderful opportunity to return to Canada this summer, and it had been quite some time since we returned back. I think it was more than three years uh, since our last visit, so it was quite a special experience for the family to return to Canada for the summer. Today's episode is a very special one and means a lot to me, and I want to share a bit of backstory first to give you all some context for the episode you're going to listen to today. For those of you who do not know, uh, the game of golf has been a real passion of mine since I was young. And when it comes to the game of golf itself, I am truly self-taught. Although I've had lessons from time to time over the years, when I was young, I think I picked up a club for the first time when I was five or six. And much of my learning about the game came from literally hitting thousands of golf balls and basically figuring out what worked and what didn't. So golf, as I said, is a real passion of mine. So every once in a while, I will have a golf-specific episode on my podcast. And I feel very lucky and fortunate to have interviewed some brilliant people from the game, including some Ryder Cup champions, as well as other well-known European Tour pros, some coaches from the European Tour, as well as a well-known peak performance psychologist, Dr. Carl Morris. And in these episodes that I record with the European Tour golfers or professional golf coaches, peak performance psychologists, whoever it may be, what I really like to do is to unpack the guiding principles that they put into action in their life in order to be their best and to perform at their best. Over the past several years, I've done a ton of learning related to peak performance psychology, and I really enjoy having conversations around what makes people thrive in the work that they do, whether it be sport, business, or education. So having the opportunity to interview these professional golfers or coaches or psychologists on my podcast uh, from time to time is something that I really enjoy doing. Now, in regards to my own game, I made it a goal a few years ago to really improve, to try to get back to the level that I once played at. But in order to do this, I had to find a coach. I scoured through several YouTube channels, watched lots of different instructional coaches um, on YouTube, but I felt really lucky to come across the work of Sean Clement. I'm going to tell you about Sean. Um, Sean is from Quebec, Canada. Actually, he's based there now. He was uh, born and raised in Montreal, moved to Toronto, worked there for years, but he's now based in Quebec, Canada. Uh, he's very well known in the field and has a special way that he approaches the game. His coaching style is one that immediately makes his players feel at ease. And he has a very special way of engaging with his students 
and is able to simplify his instruction so that it makes sense to golfers of all ability. Sean has his own very successful coaching company called Wisdom in Golf. And if you are a golfer looking to improve, I highly recommend that you check out his YouTube channel. Uh, He has amassed millions of views on his channel over the years. And the reason why people keep coming back time and again to watch his videos is because he is making such a difference with their games. I also encourage you to check out Sean's Wisdom in Golf website as there is a wealth of knowledge accessible at your fingertips. And over the past couple of years, I was able to take several online lessons with Sean, especially during COVID. And I am proud to say that Sean is not only my coach, but we've also become good friends over the past couple years. And it was an absolute joy to have Sean begin coaching my son Eli a few months ago online. As we were going back to Canada for the summer, Eli and I had to take a flight. We had to go see him. So we jumped on a flight from Toronto to Quebec to hang out with Sean and his amazing family, Sav, Riley, Moo, and his wife, Nita. They welcomed us in their home with open arms, and we spent some quality time together over our three-day trip. The purpose of the trip was for Sean to do some pretty intensive work with my son Eli on his golf game. And during their time together, uh, Sean made such a big difference in helping Eli to better understand his own swing. And Eli's game has catapulted leaps and bounds since working with Sean, uh, both online but face-to-face a few weeks ago. The work that they're doing continues as Eli is doing online lessons with him each week, um, now that we're back in Saudi Arabia. So now getting back to the episode today, as Sean and I love conversations around the game of golf, peak performance and coaching, he invited me to sit down with him on his own podcast called Golf's Perfect Imperfections, which is hosted on WRX Golf Radio. In this conversation, we dive deeply into the role of a coach and the importance of creating a learning environment that is not only empowering, but also built on healthy, positive conversations that bring out the very best in both the coach and the player. Although this episode went live on Sean's podcast a few weeks back, He gave me permission to re-release it on my own podcast. And in this conversation, we are joined by Moo, who is part of the family and a brilliant golfer himself. So a special thanks to Moo for joining our chat. The conversation in today's episode is about more than just golf. It's about goal setting, autonomy, voice and choice, and staying inspired in order to be the very best versions of ourselves possible. I loved having this conversation with Sean and Moo. Everybody, thanks for listening, and be sure to check out Sean's work at wisdomingolf.com and at Sean Clement's Wisdom in Golf Lessons YouTube channel. And with that, let's jump into this Golf's Perfect Imperfections episode with Sean Clement, Moo, and myself. 
Golf WRX and Wisdom in Golf Land. Today we got a special treat. I have my own personal instructor. The instructor to instructors. His name is Andy Vasily. And the man is on contract right now in Saudi Arabia. And this guy's been all over the world coaching other instructors on how to get the most out of their students. And uh, Andy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you very much. This is uh, amazing because you and I have been connected virtually for probably three years now. Yeah. And as good luck and fortune would have it with COVID kind of loosening a little bit, international travel opening, Yeah, my son, my family, and I came back to Canada and I said, I have to come and see you in person. Now I'm sitting in your house doing this podcast. Isn't that awesome? That's pretty cool. He's in our little studio. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, uh, this is really a a real treat and uh, it's really nice to be able to show Quebec City off to you and the Royal Quebec Golf Club. We had a nice round this afternoon at Royal Quebec and just a brilliant session this morning. And we can talk to everybody about that a little bit later on in the show. But what I'd love to hear is, you know, define what an instructor uh, uh, to a coach really is. So it's very, it's a unique position. So I work with educators. I also work with sport coaches, different types of people. So an instructional coach is really about um, having conversations with the people that you work with to unlock internal resources within them, to make them excel at whatever it is they're pursuing in their life, personally or professionally. So in my case, professionally with educators, so I will try to work with them in a way that helps them to become better at what they do to serve those who they serve, yeah. which are students, you know, so to try to bring the best out in students, but it takes a look at their pedagogical practices and different habits and routines that they put into action and to really reflect on those yeah. and to reflect to what degree they are successful and what, where they need to improve. And it, it- they have to be passionate individuals to to be able to receive that, right? Because, I mean, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you're just exchanging, you know, uh, a job for a paycheck, not exactly the right kind of person that you want to coach. You want to coach lifers like me mm-hmm. who, like, I can't wait to get up tomorrow morning and, and dive back into this and, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's that we did today. You know, we still got a day tomorrow together. And uh, we had just a fantastic time with your boy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. Eli did a fantastic job today. So um, when somebody's really passionate about uh, bringing uh, a better life or a a better education to their students, then those are the those are the real that's the real gold. Yeah. That's that's where you you probably get some unbelievable exchanges. Yeah. And that's what we talk about in Munashe with you and and you you and I have a kind of a special connection in that we both played college football here in Canada. Yeah. And really what it is about is the teaching and learning process. Mm. So it's not necessarily about education, elementary school or high school. It's about teaching and learning and the process in which people learn best. And to help people kind of unpack what that process is, because there's not a one size fits all. Right. 
So it has to be very unique to the person. So, um, you know, it's just amazing. It can be applied in sport. It can be applied in business. Golf, we applied it in golf over the past couple of days. So um, you want to develop that passion within the person that you're working with, which means better understanding who they are, the strengths that they have, and to really unpack those strengths, but open them up to understanding what their limitations are. And it's not necessarily about improving their weaknesses. It, it is, but it's really understanding and reflecting on both strengths and weaknesses with an open mind, with a non-judgmental mind, without self-criticism, and, and really employing self-compassion in the process. Huge. Yeah. Huge. It's very clear. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know, I have about a thousand different ways to explain the same thing in golf and everybody receives it very differently. They have, everybody has their filters. Yeah, that's <laughs> and true. They come to the table with different filters, the way they've been brought up. So it's, uh, it's a cool, it's a cool job. Yeah. And that's what I've found fascinating about your, your teaching series that you guys do uh, with Sav is, and I was saying this to you yesterday was, a lot of golf instruction instructional videos use elite golfers as an example. Right. You're learning the game. Yeah, so you're, is, you're, yeah. yeah, you're applying everything you've learned mm-hmm. and you're continuing to grow and learn every day uh, as a golfer. Yeah. For me, it's a lot more valuable for my son to watch you learn golf yeah. than to see an elite person swing mm-hmm. because you're learning in live time and you're, you're applying um, all of these strategies in live time. Yeah. So that's what really interests me and the success that you all have had right. is based on those parameters, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's very true. Yeah. Usually a, a, a tour professional is going to, he, he grew up <clears throat> as a junior. I mean, you look at all the, yeah, exactly. all the guys on tour, they got, they got pictures when they were six with golf clubs in their hands. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it reminds me of a lesson I had with Pete Sampras. I asked him, I said, well, you know, we're trying to get him to draw the ball. And he was having a hard time understanding why we close the face on the grip. He thought that you would keep the same grip for everything you do in golf, right? Yeah. Well, I said, well, how many different grips do you have in tennis? You're going to tell me that your, your cut spin volley is the same grip as your top spin forehand? And he goes, oh, no, not at all. I said, well, how do you hold the racket for a top spin forehand? He's, I don't know. Well, you're not going to learn anything out of him, are you? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. he's already internalized that and forgot all about it. And all he sees is what's going on in the court. He reacts to what he sees. He knows what his opponent's up to. He knows the weaknesses. And he knows where he's going to put that tennis ball. Doesn't have to think about it. He's just reacting to that. Yeah. yeah. And so we're in golf. <laughs> we got all day in front of the ball. And you're thinking, well, I, uh, what do I do? How do I start? You know, what's the process? And, uh, and that's, what's, that's what's fun, being able to develop that with athletes like Munashe. Mm. You know, it's like, man, from last year to this year? Yeah, it's, uh, it even surprised me. Like, I didn't think I had that potential at all. Right? Like, yeah, like, I just thought I was just going to be a hack all the way through. But then something clicked, and mm-hmm. I was what? able to build on it. And then from then on, I was uh, building that passion, like you talk about, like the, the growth of it. I couldn't stop talking about golf for Still can't stop talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been uh, a wonderful experience yeah. know, getting that. 
Well, what what is valuable about this is so my background is physical education and health, right? Yeah. And and I work with physical educators around the world, helping them to deliver their programs differently. Mm-hmm. But the traditional model of physical education is very much the traditional model of coaching golf okay. or learning football. You know, okay. yeah, yeah. Skill and drill. Mm-hmm. You know, beat it in, beat it in the student. Right. And and they have to repetition after repetition. Remember playing football is. I'm a quarterback, you know, repetition after repetition, throwing to the receiver down and out, down and out, right. down and out, yeah. you know, whereas in a game context, that's changing all the time. Right. So with, when I work with physical education teachers, this whole kinetic chain thing, they try to teach it through repetition, skill and drill, um, step forward when you throw. Yeah. And, and I've kind of flipped that upside <laughs> down and I said, no, let kids explore let yeah. them explore how to hit a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. Don't get in their head. Don't. It's not based on control and compliance. Mm-hmm. And you must do this and you must do 100 forehands in a row that has no contextual value whatsoever right. in a game context. So this whole kinetic chain thing to me has been fascinating, working with you over the past three years and then trying to get teachers to understand that, as you say, there's a natural kinetic chain that we all yeah. have within us. Yeah. So let's not screw it up. That's right. And you can find it Facilitate. as you, you call it through Goldilocksing. That's right. I call it through exploration. Yeah. And then finding the just right entry point. Yes. Right. So that's what I try to do with teachers. And, and it can only come through exploration. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Goldilocks it. And then soon you'll, you'll hit upon it. And then that will be your benchmark to begin using this kind of 1% better um, kind of metaphor. Yeah, and I want to dive into that with yeah. you in a sec. Um, and, and the reason why that's so important, there are a lot of people suffering um, focal dystonias from that kind of teaching. Did you know that? I have a student of mine who's in uh, Texas, and he's in the tennis industry. And as a kid, as a Texas boy, he learned baseball, and he loved baseball. He was an awesome baseball player. So his dad sent him to a baseball-specific camp, came back, couldn't throw anymore. Couldn't throw anymore. Why? They said, well, your throwing technique is off. What I want you to do is you're going to bring the ball to your ear, then you're going to bring your elbow in front of your face, and then you're going to release the ball, right? So this kid was a hard worker, and and very much you ever see how Charles Barkley finally got out of his predicament. Yeah, and he took that instruction at the time. You know, you got to go to the top of the backswing, you got to pause, and then you got to stick the elbow to your side, and then you got to go get the ball. And you notice how literally he took that. It, yeah. it took the athlete completely out of the man, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And that's the saddest thing. And this is happening every day, and it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. It has to stop. It is. It is brutal, and it's Neanderthal. I mean, it's pre-Neanderthal. Really, it's disempowering. Disempowering, yeah. yeah, big time. So, all of you coaches out there, you know, please, you know, realize what's going on, and. Let the kids have some fun. The passionate ones are going to bubble to the surface every time. And if they're having a great time, it's it's going to be even better. Yeah, and just to dovetail on that a little bit is, is this idea of 
co-constructing success criteria with the people you're working with. Mm -hmm. So it's not the teacher. You establishing the success criteria for the player, doesn't matter if it's tennis or golf or whatever it is, it's having a dialogue where you together co-construct what success looks like. And you do that very well in your teaching. That's what he does is he asks questions. Yeah, for feedback. Yeah, and then you begin to answer those questions. And then he allows you, Sean allows you to explore. Mm -hmm. Even if you're going to fail, you're still exploring. Darn right. right. Yeah. And then through this exploration, you narrow down on not the right answer, you narrow down on an answer that will allow you to continue to progress. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, like, what drills do you do to help your students explore? Is I open it up. Okay. I, I just say, okay, we're going to start with here's some equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's explore some skills. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then not just explore, let's identify what's most challenging for you. So as an instructor, I will then write down what those most challenging things are. So it might be, hitting a forehand with control. Right. Mm -hmm. It might be making contact with the ball. Now that speaks to if there's 30 students in a class, the differentiation, some kids can't hit a ball then you have superstars. Right. So a one size fits all is disempowering because the high achievers are going to be bored. Yeah. The low, low end students will be frustrated. Yeah. So we're not here to serve just the middle band of, of our students. Right. So through dialogue, through exploration, through having discussions, through recording, you know, we record a lot of their learning. Mm-hmm. And that's how I train the teachers is ask questions, record their learning, then allow the students to identify what challenge, you know, kind of that Goldilocks zone. So that's right. if one is easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and 10 is impossible, yeah. we want to get those students in a learning zone between five and eight. Yeah. But then they they self differentiate in order to get into that zone. Right. Then, as a facilitator, we're here to support them. That's right. Yeah. So, does that model framework fit for how you coach? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when somebody says, "Well, uh, see, that's the bad shot I hit. What did I do wrong?" Oh, okay, good. Uh, what were you trying to do? Uh, well, I don't know. I said, "Well, good shot then." Mm-hmm. it's all good. We're all set. Yeah. So what would you like to do next? Right. You never let them oh, okay. dwell over Exactly. That. So choose, what would you like to, would you like to hit this shot or that shot? And then I gave them the option. Yeah. It empowers them. Mm-hmm. And then they go, okay, I want to hit that shot. Perfect. All right. So here's the flight plan. Here's how we organize ourselves. Here's a intermediate point, And we go through that and we show them, you know, how the human machine is going to do that best because of, you know, it has, it has its particularities. And so then we deliver the action mm-hmm. and we go, okay, how did that feel? Uh, well, it felt okay. Or it felt, you know, well, what was the strain? And did you have to work hard on that? And then I just, you know, keep prodding them with, with questions. Mm-hmm. And then at the, you know, at one point during the lesson, they're going to net, you know, nut one. Mm-hmm. They go, Oh, that's what I like. Yeah. I said, all right, beautiful. So what did that feel like? And that was easy and it felt, you know, and then boom, yeah. now we, now we get all the good stuff that we want and we know the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And now we have Goldilocks. Yeah. And like uh, Eli today on the golf course, you know, he'd hit a, a shot that was less desirable. I'm, okay. What were you trying to do? Good. 
And, you know, what was the strain level like? All right. And then, boom, we identified, you know, what was the thing preventing him from, from getting that performance. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's obviously when you're learning, there's a lot of Jekyll and Hyde going on. And it's just a matter of, hey, you know, when you're, when you're throwing darts, you're going to miss the bullseye. Don't ask why. Have another sip of your beverage. Grab, <laughs> grab another yeah. dart. Look at the bullseye and keep going. Yeah. And the research, which, which I love, I mean, I love the research that has been done on how we learn motor skills. And without that, um, I would be hard-pressed to be in, this, in the position I'm in today. So can I just add something yeah. there? Because, you know, I'm looking at everything you're saying through the lens of the laws of intrinsic motivation. Mm. Okay. So everything you're saying aligns. Have you heard of self-determination theory? No. So self-determination theory was a theory of motivation that was developed about 40 years ago. I'd say 40, almost 50 years ago now by Dr. Edward uh, DC and Dr. Richard Ryan. So I had Dr. Richard Ryan on my podcast about a half year ago. So they were co-founders of this, um, this theory. Okay. And this theory is rooted on three human fundamental needs. So if we are intrinsically motivated to pursue a task, first of all, we have to be intrinsically motivated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So carrot and stick and extrinsic motivation might work in the short term. Yeah. So for example, if I break 80, you're going to buy me a lobster dinner. Right. I'm going to work my ass off to break 80. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I'm going to have a lobster dinner. Right. But that's not going to help me be a better golfer. No, I mean, what's right. gonna, what are you going to do next time? So <laughs> in, right. yeah. this, this theory is built around these three human fundamental needs. And the first need is autonomy. We all want to feel as though we have autonomy mm-hmm. over the decisions that we make in our life. So when it comes to our own learning, this is heavily rooted in research. To learn our best, we have to have autonomy. So control and compliance is out the window. It doesn't work. Right. The second piece is relatedness, which means that we have to have strong relationships. And when strong relationships are in place, we're going to be more motivated to pursue whatever it is we're pursuing. The last piece is that we want to feel as though we're competent in whatever it is we're pursuing. Mm -hmm. So autonomy, relatedness, competence. So when you get that mix right, which you do in your teaching, you can feel that he does that Munashe in his teaching. Yeah, very clearly. Every video I, I see, the language you use, it's empowering. You're giving autonomy over the students. You're not telling them how to hit the shot. You're giving them choices. What do you want to do? What is your intention? As Carl Morris says, intention and attention, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship piece is there because I don't feel threatened working with you. I don't feel I can skull it. I can shank it into the woods and you're still going to love me. Absolutely. There's, there's unconditional, <laughs> with all my heart. You know, there's unconditional positive regard. You betcha. You know? yeah. So you're not basing uh, that relationship around them performing for you. No. Okay. That third piece is competence. So then suddenly when they're seeing the shot and they produce the shot and you know, this blasting the driver 340. Yeah. <laughs> when you see that ball soaring through the air, that feels good. Yeah, it does. And then time. as you said yourself, using your own words, mm-hmm. you thought you were going to be a hacker. Yeah. But then suddenly you started to develop this passion and hit these bombs. And then you realize, no, actually how much potential, you know, you actually have, yeah. you're starting to, Think about these things. So yeah. autonomy, relatedness, and competence. So 
what you're saying is actually rooted in the science of motivation. Thank you. Yeah. So I think it's amazing. It's the uh, only way to move forward with teaching and learning. Big time. Yeah. That's uh, very, very humbling to hear and uh, much appreciated. Yeah. And it's, it's important to know that you're always on the right track. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's the, I, I feel so lucky and privileged to be able to meet up with individuals like you. I mean, the guests you have on your pro- podcast are unbelievable. Yeah, it's been it's been a great, amazing journey. I'm about 200 episodes in now, and but for me, it's like learning something all the time from these amazing people, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it that's what it's about, you know. I'm going to start rifling through there with, uh, and then all of us are going to start, you know, listening in on the, on on those because I mean, and, and just the way that you know how to ask questions, uh, you know, what's important for people to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, it's not the, uh, that, that, uh, technical, yeah. be careful, watch out, mm-hmm. make sure stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's stuff that you're actually going to be able to use. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I wanted to, cause we were having a great dinner. You, you made great, a great, amazing dinner tonight. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was awesome. But we started to talk about Dr. Jim Lohr. So I want to read you a quote and then I want to ask you both how this quote resonates with you mm-hmm. as a coach and with you as an athlete mm-hmm. um, who's now pursuing golf right. okay, and all the work you're doing. So uh, Dr. Jim Lohr, an amazing sports psychologist. He's worked with 17 world number ones um, over the past in his life over the past 30 or 40 years. So what he says is the power broker in your life is the voice that no one hears. Okay. Just just got to come back on. Okay. So the power broker in your life is the voice that no one hears. How well you revisit the tone and content of your private voice is what determines the quality of your life. It is the master storyteller and the stories we tell ourselves are our reality. So it really is about inner voice. So as a athlete, yeah, you know, how does that resonate with you in, in your journey of athletics? Mm-hmm. But now with the work you're doing with Sean in, in golf. Um, it's a very, uh, I never thought about it because it's something I've never come, come across. Yeah. But um, it resonates with me because, uh, like you said, the vo- inner voice helps you um, build your character and help mm-hmm. you organize yourself around the world and keep you, um, you know, in a, positive state right because mm-hmm. that's and and then goes being happy and making sure that your relationships are balanced and um the people around you are you know the right people to be with mm-hmm. essentially and um it's uh yeah it's a, it's a it's a strong question it's a yeah so as as a golfer learning the game yeah what is your inner voice like like how has your inner voice changed okay from when you first started learning the game okay and then taking this learning in and applying it mm-hmm. is your inner voice what has that journey been like um it's been up and down a lot of times uh you know I just feel down it's like what am I doing like because it's at first at first I didn't feel like I belonged because golf is it's just uh it's never been a sport that I came across, you know, mm-hmm. in the past. Um, the only time I knew about golf was with my grandfather. I used to play a lot, but that was the only time. But then now as I develop into it, my vo- inner voice around it, it's like, man, you, you're making some crazy shots. Like, you, yeah. 
some shots, some pros produce based off what Sean tells me, right? Yeah. So, and for me, I have a hard time believing Sean because, you know, I was like, there's no way I'm producing the shots that, you know, he compares it to like Dustin Johnson or, you know, um, Cameron Champ. You know, those go, those guys are uh, sophisticated golfers in their own right. So uh, when I hear that, that's, um, I don't know, it's like, it's hard because I've never seen them play in person. So I can't really have a, you know, a benchmark to, to compare it to, but it's, it's a very humbling compliment. Mm-hmm. So it, my inner voice becomes a little bit more jollier, you could say. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I can, I can do this, right? So Yeah, that's it right there. You just said, I, I can do this. Yeah. And the evidence is not based on a hunch. The yeah. evidence is based on data. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's... Personal data. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, I've been to a lot of PGA Tour events. Yeah. And I've never seen anybody hit the ball like you. Period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In long drive competitions, yes. You're right. Not on the PGA Tour. Maybe today, like the, yeah, yeah. I would right. say the top five hitters on the on the PGA Tour. I would. I'm, I'm going to be expecting to see what you've produced in front of me. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I know what that range. You know, when I nut mine, yeah, it takes one hop into the trees. Right. And you're carrying four trees into the back. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's amazing. like, it's, you know, it's only stuff that I could only dream of personally. I can only dream of that. I've been in golf my whole life. Right. And you've, you, you know, you're producing stuff that is beyond my dreams. Right. right? Yeah. I'm, like I'm going to have to hit the gym for three years straight to try and beef up, to be mm-hmm. able to get somewhere, you know, close to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. It really is neat. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, before you jump in with how that resonates with you, the thing is like being aware of the critical inner voice too, yeah. right? So it's okay if there's a critical inner voice. We're not trying to cover it up, as Riley said today mm-hmm. when we were talking about his BMXing. And it's okay if you have this inner voice that is a bit critical at times. Don't let yourself be judged by it. Accept it. It's yeah. there. Yeah, right. You know, invite it in to have tea with you yeah. and have a conversation with it and say, okay, what are you here to teach me? Okay, you're here to teach me something. Yeah. But don't judge yourself based on that negative inner voice. Have a conversation with it mm-hmm. and learn how it's not just about positive thinking, but actually building our school, our skill set to be able to have a more empowering inner voice, but then it's not based on a hunch. It's based on progress and data. That's right. That's the key, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, the data has definitely helped uh, the process. Mm-hmm. And that's because I got with the help of the GC quad and um, what also uh, studying what the golf equipment is doing, like the industry, the golf industry has helped me marry the, the growth a lot better, yeah. a lot faster. So like the more I understand that it makes the the learning process a lot faster. Yeah, and um, I'm definitely benefiting uh, from being a good student in that regard. Yeah, and uh, it's it's and I'm very grateful to be in that op- that position to be yeah. able to to learn all those small details. Mm-hmm. So, how does that quote resonate with you in terms of your coaching and and your own inner voice as a coach? And to what extent you might put pressure on yourself to help your students perform? and want to see them do well and kind of balancing that? Well, you know, I've, as a, as a coach, I've dove into that realm a little bit more. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been pre-programmed in our first seven years of our lives. Right. And that's where we have no control over what's going on. 
and it really makes us who we are. And that's, that's why I really appreciated the conversations that we had this evening, because when a sports psychologist is going to have you take a journal every day with a pencil and write in the book and, and do that over the course of a year, that's basically self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And I've come to understand that self-hypnosis is extremely important for performance because that's the voice that you want to align yourself with. Mm-hmm. You can't be aligning. So that, like they said, you know, you're a, you're a product of your environment. So if you hang out with guys who love to go out and drink in bars every night and, you know, smoke a joint all the time and, and sit in the couch and, you know, and, 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 you know, do unproductive stuff, you will eventually be part of that group. You will fall victim to it. You will fall victim to it. And if you hang around guys who are outgoing or gals and they're going out and doing stuff and they're going to go out and play golf and they're going to go out and play tennis and they're going to go and uh, and do rowing and and do all the outdoor stuff and they're going to eat clean and and um and live clean and live with integrity mm-hmm. that's going to rub off big time on you mm-hmm. you know so having yourself as a role model i think is unbelievably important mm-hmm. And we're not all uh, uh, lucky in that respect in, in our first seven years of our existence. I mean, some people have really had a bad rap in, as far as that's concerned, but the programming can be changed. Absolutely. And that's where we really need to do our work because as a teacher, I see a lot of my students that are self-critical that get down on themselves, that call each other, they call themselves names. It's not, that's, I can, I can see that was their upbringing. Mm -hmm. I can see that they're doing what probably what their parents were doing at the time and talking down to them and telling them they're no good. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, and I think that as a coach, that's something that we need to be equipped properly with. Yeah, yeah, and that's going back to what we talked about earlier. Dr. Michael Gervais is the uh, a leading sports psychologist. He has a, an amazing podcast called Finding Mastery. Mm-hmm. He interviews incredible people. Uh, he's very gifted at unpacking the, the fundamental principles that allow these people to achieve the success that they've had. And the thing that he talks about is, you know, like Riley was talking today about harmonizing his values. Okay. Absolutely critical that we harmonize our values, that we live in harmony with what we believe in. Yeah. But if we don't spend the time, seriously spend the time uh, reflecting on our own life, how we were brought up, the negative influences in our life, the strengths that we possess, the things that we've overcome, if we don't spend the time to, to critically reflect on these things, then we cannot create what is considered to be a personal philosophy statement. Mm-hmm. And that personal philosophy statement is, is a value system that you live by. So now, once we have that personal philosophy statement, and I told you at dinner tonight, Dr. Michael Gervais is, every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. That's the way he looks at his life every single day. As that. a father, 
as a husband, as a friend, as a sports psychologist, as a speaker, as an interviewer, every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. So now you have this personal philosophy. So now I have something to harmonize. I can harmonize my thoughts, my actions, and my words. That's right. And it's okay if we fail. But that's your target. Yeah, that's your target. Yeah, that's, right? your, that's your target. And, and so, you live by that target. That's right. So now you can reflect. You say, well, w- w- with what I'm doing at this present moment, does that fit my values? Right? My statement. Yeah. And, and then, you, then you can realign yourself. You say, well, no, that doesn't fit at all. I need to I need to work towards something that would really fit that. Well, what does fit that? Well, now the brain is an unbelievable problem solver. If you put it to work and you give it the right task, then you you and I, that's that's an unbelievable Yeah, so now what you're saying though is if you're if a value that you have in your per- personal philosophy statement, if you were to unpack the personal philosophy statement and compassion is embedded within that. Maybe the word compassion is not in it, mm-hmm. but the feeling is that compassion is in the personal philosophy statement. As a golfer, if I believe in compassion and self-compassion, yeah. uh, then I'm going to be self-forgiving. So if I get up and I snap hook my driver into the woods three holes in a row, yep. mm-hmm. and by the third hole I snap my driver over my knee and I call myself a bunch of names, mm-hmm. how compassionate am I being? Zero. Zero. So at the end of the day, it's okay if you had that mental blunder and you had that uh, moment of, um, you know, that moment that was not so nice on the course, you simply reflect on it. You don't beat yourself up over it. What is my personal philosophy statement? So Dr. Jim Lore would actually have his athletes journal about that mm-hmm. and get it all out on paper. So it's okay. It goes back to non-judgment. Right. Yeah. And being easy on yourself so that you really, as, as fluffy as it sounds, you have love for yourself in those moments. You're not defined by snap hooking it in the woods, three holes in a row. That's Mm -hmm. not going to define who you are in life. So you have to, but you have to practice the skill of doing that. So you equip yourself with uh, this ongoing skill of being self-compassionate, you know? Yeah. I find um, having the knowledge of, how the machine learns and um, and how you're reacting to your environment. Uh, sometimes you, you know, these are experiences that will allow you to arm yourself better the next time that happens. Mm-hmm. And if you reflect on that properly, you'll be able to use that as a weapon for next Absolutely. time. Instead of going, well, here I go again, right? There's there, your story. There he is. Yeah. Yeah. There's the dolt. There's your story, right? the personal narrative. You're just reinforcing how, this. How are you yeah. ever going to get ahead when, when that happens? Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. And that's where I want to give a shout out to Dr. Carl Morris. And again, this amazing small world, these small world coincidences. So Eli... Uh, was the youngest person to ever graduate from Carl Morris's Mind Factor coaching certification course. Congratulations, Eli. Yes. That's awesome. And Eli, as a father, you know, as an athlete and as a father, uh, I I feel so much gratitude for Eli having spent time with Carl. Yeah. And, you know, Carl and his wife looked after Eli for the weekend and uh, they were there kind of, it was at a hotel, but they were checking in on him and, 
And then he got the certificate at the end. So I, I'm so proud of Eli learning these things at such an early age mm-hmm. because we didn't have that as athletes growing up. No. It no. was just beat into you that if you don't perform, you're a loser. Yeah. And, and you got to just suck it up if you had a yep. bad game. That doesn't work, man. No, it doesn't. You can't keep that stuff in. If you had a bad game, you need to be able to deal with it. You need yeah. to be able to reflect on it honestly. Mm-hmm. And then that's the way you continue to learn and grow. That, that's we, yeah. that's where we're at with Sav because she's been bashed, you know, sure head's been bashed in so many times by the crappiest of coaches, you know, when you when the coach is saying you're a lousy human being and uh, if you don't perform, you're off and, uh, you know, threats. And, and uh, it's just like I remember one year there were two games where the girls were just getting rid of the ball because they didn't want to be blamed for anything. So they didn't yeah. want to touch the ball. That's bad. They were, they were just, you know, so afraid of getting, you know, that's reprimanded hostile. by their coach. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hostile that's environment. That's when we left the team. That's a know? hostile environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had raises to, cortisol. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't perform. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's where we left the team. And we're glad we did because yeah. it just got worse. And we actually, we actually found her best coach in soccer after that. And that's where she, her, her, career as a player turned around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what we talked about, you know, even, you know, I'm much older than you, but yeah. we're still a product of Canadian football, right? Which yeah. is traditional coaching. Yeah. And as a quarterback, you know, I, I had one great quarterback coach in my career. Mm-hmm. The other coaches berated me yeah. when, when I wouldn't step up in the pocket. I'm a small guy, man. Yeah. Step up in the pocket and deliver the ball and get absolutely annihilated by the defensive line. Yeah, I've seen that kind of coaching. Sucking wind and trying to stand up and then stay in the pocket. I, I couldn't do it, so I developed this scrambling mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, you know, I'd scramble and throw sidearm and this yeah. and that. Yeah. But the thing is, afraid to make mistakes. So yeah. those in, in charge of leading young, young men or young women mm-hmm are leading in a control and com- uh, with control and compliance. Yeah. If we look at brain science, all that's doing is spiking cortisol. Yep. Yeah. And when cortisol is spiked, you either fight or flight. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and you cannot perform at your best. Exactly. So, you know, that's exactly what we're describing. This might be a great segue into atomic habits because atomic yeah. habits, um, fan, anybody listening to this, if you have not read the book, Atomic Habits, you must get your hands on a copy. It's by James Clear. And the whole premise of the book is based around this idea of the aggregation of marginal gains. Mm-hmm. 1% better every day. My son lives by that, and it works. I've seen it personally, you know, over the last couple of years. Wow. You know, yeah. he's gone from, okay, I hope, I hope he makes it to the semis to I hope he makes it to the finals to I hope he makes it on the podium to wow he's just going to win everything that's where he's at now yeah. you know his yeah. his first race of the year he he won every qualifying lap by bike lengths mm-hmm. everybody's freaking out about wow man is it this you know the improvements have been unbelievable mm-hmm. but he's been 1% every day exactly that's, he's living by that yeah so uh, that I'm going to be integrating in a lot of my teaching. Yeah, and that's what Carl Morris, because I, I had the pleasure of work, working with Carl virtually, and I can remember some short game work that he had me do, which was 
take 10 balls, finish your practice session with 10 balls from 30 to 60 yards or 30 to 80 yards. And what you want to do is have like a 10 foot ring around the, the, the pin. Right. So then you hit your 10 balls and you simply keep statistics, you know? So let's say I get three out of 10 within uh, 10 feet. Mm-hmm. I get basically three points. So the goal, he did it with Luke Donald when Luke Donald was, was number one. Wow. And this, so Luke Donald is amazing with a wedge. Right. And so that's the idea aggregation of marginal gains. Well, if I get three and I average three out of 10, don't beat myself up because I'm not four out of 10 or five out of 10. What do I need to do to be four out of 10 next time? Yep. You know, learn how to use the bounce, whatever, properly, whatever it is, but just keep plugging away. So it's not about getting eight out of 10. It's about getting four out of 10 and then five out of 10 and slowly, you know, gaining traction over time. Yeah. But the the book is uh, absolutely amazing. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. You guys see the gold I find for you. This is <laughs> this is gold, man. Such good stuff. You know, I like this. You know, this uh, whole idea, and that's what we work on with with Eli all the time. Is this uh, idea of just making these small improvements, and that's what you did with us today. Uh, so, to give a little more context, you worked with both of us. We had uh, an intention going into the round. After a few holes of the ball kind of going wild, you just reminded us, just stick to the... Stick to the plan. Yeah, stick to the plan. Whatever happens, happens. Let's see how much we can integrate into the round right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because that's that's bottom line, man. How do, you, how do you take what you got from the range and put it on the golf course? Well, you just execute the same way on the golf course and see what happens. And uh, you just got to s- stick to your guns. And that's how you can improve because then as soon as you hit a brilliant shot, which one of your wedges that you just flew over the green, you said, well, that was the feel. Yeah, that's what I flew. It, it was a nine and I flew it, airmailed the green from 140 into the woods behind the oh, green. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't even pissed because I said, Sean, you know what? I got the feeling, baby. That's it. <laughs> that's right. And, that's and it. I, I had that power. The pivot was there, the, the center point. Yep. Yep. I was able to throw the club to the target, and the ball just jumped. It was, so, it was phenomenal. And, that's, that, and I, what I saw was the engagement of a pure kinetic chain. There was no hiccups. Mm-hmm. It was um, um, unaltered. Mm-hmm. It was, um, um, there was no manipulation. It was no interference. It was interference-free, mm-hmm. Right. And it just matched. Yeah. And I'm going, man, that just flew right over the flag. I'm going, that looks good. Oh, get <laughs> down. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's, uh, it was nice that you guys, and then Eli, right? We got a weapon now, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> He's nodding his head over there. Yeah. And we, um, and that's another thing why I love the GC quad. Eli was having a hard time with his three wood. 15 degrees is a little bit of a beast for a lot of people. And Eli's just, he's just right now getting over a hundred miles an hour, right? And he doesn't, you know, he hasn't grown into his, his manly body yet. And, uh, man, you were sneaky long today. You hit some drives out there. You were right behind Sav and, um, and a kid, a couple of those three woods, 240, you know, now he's got a 220 tool off the tee carry 240 total. And he's going to be doing, he's going to be doing some damage. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. got a. He's going to have some some fun scoring. Now you can see the potential. A couple of the par fives that you have back home. You're thinking, hmm. Yeah. I think I can get home now. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
what I love with that is this idea, the metaphor of the window. And it's what, you know, the, the picture, sorry, the yeah. picture, you know, what, what picture do you see? And, and then kind of creating that shot based on the picture that you see and committing to it. It's so hard to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, dude, remember yeah. that, remember the six iron he carved around the trees to the front of the green yeah. and got up and down so easily from, Yeah. right? That was sweet. He says, Sean, what do you do here? So I come over and I'm Okay. I said, we can go around the tree this way. It's one of those S par fives that we have on our course, just a gorgeous par five. And it just, you have so many options. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right. I said, we don't want to go that way because if, if it doesn't come back, you're, you're really short-siding yourself. So if you're going to miss, you got to miss left and front of green. Good. So we got that down. So since we have that as the option and this is what we're going to manage ourselves with, we need an extra club to carve around. So instead of a seven, we're going six. And, uh, and we're going to open the face more. And he's just going to throw it right over the top of that tree right there. And so he threw it. It didn't get the height. That's what I want. You know, I wanted him because when you're dealing with height, you're going to be accurate. Mm-hmm. And he just passed just ever so slightly left of those trees. And it carved right around, took two hops, got in front of the green, and he was putting. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, it was just a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's nice. And then you see it curve and then, whoa, it's hunting the flag now. And it's just like the whole shot was just pure anticipation, right? It was joy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you must see in your coaching is this idea of when, when the concepts start to click, you know, and when you really start to feel some of the, the concepts that he, that Sean teaches, which is, you know, that throwing the club and not activating too soon, not lunging for it, you know, not being ball oriented, but target focused. And when these ideas start to click and you can conceptualize it, that's when you start to have this success. Now that's your, you know, that's your reference point. Right. And, and then you just build on that experience. And and you feel, you feel capable. Yeah. Right. And you, you walk off and you go, Hey, I can do this. Yeah. That's, that's where you get those, uh, those that motivation yeah right absolutely intrinsic motivation the intrinsic motivation and then going back to like that that's the dopamine spike yeah that, man. that we get and we get that dopamine spike that was and dope we're, you know, that was dope. dope that was pure dope <laughs> <laughs> right? that's right yeah that dope's being released and then that's, that, that's what keeps you coming back you know brilliant so i love it brilliant wow well, I think uh, what are we what are we on with time right now? It's, uh, it's like it go forever with this t- conversation. Yeah, we're at forty six minutes. Yeah, okay, okay. We, I think we should give everybody a break. They're probably finished their uh, their uh, little commute. Yeah, and they're getting out of their cars awesome. and they're they're feeling good. So, um, Andy, how do we get a hold of your fabulous podcasts? Well, I appreciate that, Sean. Um, firstly, uh, I, I do have a lot of gratitude. The big thing in my life that we work on as a family is, is the practice of gratitude, daily gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I just believe the universe kind of works in mysterious ways and, and good people come together for a reason, you, you know, so I have tremendous gratitude for coming up to Quebec with Eli and, and meeting you. And I, I know it's been uh, it's a valuable experience to Eli and I really appreciate it. Um, Ditto. So the podcast is the run your life podcast. Right uh, on. It can be yeah. found on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, uh, as well, my website, runyourlifepodcast.com. That's a good name, man. Yeah. yeah. Run your life. Great, t- yeah. great title. Be in charge of your own life. Yeah, uh, man. That's, that's it. Autonomy. Autonomy. That's it. 
Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Moo, anything to add? No, that was an awesome uh, podcast. Yeah. Great, great questions as well, too. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed that. Eli, you want to add something? You good? All right. Eli's chilling over there. Yeah. We're getting ready for tomorrow. So everyone, have an awesome week. It was a real pleasure. Can't wait for the next one. Take care. Take care, everybody. See you later, Andy. Hey, thanks, man. Those are the best conversations. <laughs> <laughs>